Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO, and today we're on the phone with pancreatic cancer survivor, Matteo Passero. Matteo, thank you for joining us on the Project Purple Podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I'm happy to be here. Well, I, I know this has taken a little while. I know uh, scheduling and everything, so we appreciate you taking time out of your day. We're here in New York City for the New York City Marathon. And we're in November, which is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. So we're excited to have you. This is going to air literally in a couple days, uh, I think the day after the New York City Marathon. So uh, we're excited for it. And uh, we love having survivors on. And you've got an amazing story to share. And I know you and I have been kind of communicating via social media for a little while. And you know, I yep. think you went to Italy in the summertime, uh, which is awesome to see, uh, follow your journey uh, in Italy, which I'm, I'm jealous, man, because you know, <laughs> being, being, being from the motherland as well, you know, uh, yeah. it's just uh, just awesome to see. And I haven't been there in a while, so it's, uh, it's great to see all your feeds and everything that you were doing, living life as you should. Yeah, it's finally starting to get back to normal a bit, finally. Well, that's good. It's been a long, been a long year for sure. Um, yes, I, I can't even imagine, and I know we're going to go into that. So, for our listeners at home, Mateo, uh, what we typically do with our podcast guests is, you know, some people are aware of stories and personalities and, and folks that we have on the show. Uh, love to share your story, and I always tell our guests. You can go into as much as you want or as little as you want, but I think it'd be great to start there for our listeners at home that don't know you or don't follow you on social media about what you've gone through and, and what where you currently are today. So with that, sure. uh, the mic is yours. Yeah, sure. I, I always uh, let people know just, throw, you know, if people are really interested on what's going on and what's happening, put it a face the name. You know, just check out the Instagram, I'm at Matteo Pissarro. Um, you know, that way, you know, I always kind of, whenever I, I listen to a podcast, so I want to see who I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting into a relationship with. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my journey kind of started, I was, I was 24, which is, I, I just turned 26 now, I was 24 last year, it was right before my 25th birthday. We started getting into this, uh, this world of sickness. I was actually in Italy, I had just proposed to my fiance. Uh, which was last summer uh, in Italy. We, we do frequent Italy pretty often. My dad was born out there, so we still have the house. Uh, so we're, we're really lucky and blessed there. Um, but I had just proposed. I was having some stomach issues, trying to figure out what was going on. A doctor had given me like a, a medicine to, uh, she thought it was maybe a yeast infection because I kept going to the bathroom. I was Literally, I'm sure a lot of pancreatic cancer patients can relate. I was running to the bathroom nonstop. And uh, I had to figure something out. And even in Italy, it was the, the medicine wasn't helping. Yeah. And then uh, we we got back here, and you know, I've always heard growing up, if there's something wrong with your stomach for more than three or four days, you gotta figure it out. You know, there's there's something going on. There's something wrong there. So um, we came back. We I went to my a GI doctor. Started trying to figure out what was going on there. We did the uh, the usual colonoscopy and endoscopy. And uh, after that, we were hoping we would get some great answers. And uh, my doctor was like, hey, uh, you look great inside. I don't see anything wrong. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. 
And uh, then he, you know, ordered the CT scan. The CT scan showed uh, they weren't sure exactly in the beginning what was happening. They, they said, you know, it seems like there's a tumor. It seems like some type of growth in the head of your pancreas, but we don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, you got all this crazy technology. You're making me do all these crazy tests, and you still don't have an answer for me? Like, that, you know, that, that, that was the weird part about it. For me, everything was, we're not sure. We don't know. We're not sure. And they even did the um, the needle aspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, a couple doctors had checked and looked at the, the slides, and they were all like, yeah, it, it looks like it could be cancer, but we don't know. And I'm like, well, what kind of answer is that, man? Like, are you telling me I'm dying or I'm living? Like, am I okay? I'm not okay? Like, what's going on here? So can uh, I just, let me just uh, butt in there, Mateo. So I I know this is like something, you know, I think that I hear often. And so that frustration level has got to be like at an all-time high though, right? Because you're you're clearly still in, you you know, in pain, right? Like, so it's not like your symptoms have gone away or did your symptoms go away once you consulted with the physicians or were you still kind of going through this agony of, you know, having to go to the bathroom and being in pain, right? Like that's still going on. Yeah. I, believe it or not, I actually wasn't in pain. I just was going to the bathroom. I felt fine. I was doing like I was just living my normal life. I was just running to the bathroom. bathroom. That's like crazy. sometimes five, six times a day, like bad, you know. And like Mateo had to get to the bathroom now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, but other than that, I felt okay. Obviously, you know, you're going through this process, and it's almost like you're you're running through the mill. I feel like sometimes these doctors treat you like your your cattle or something, yeah. you know, and they kind of just run you through the mill. And I guess it's because they're so used to it that they're doing this on such a daily basis that they don't realize how much of a toll you're taking on a person. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I just wanted answers. You know, I just I'm a very dry and cut kind of person. Like I like to take responsibility for things. And I just want, okay, what's the answer so we can get to the program and we can get it done and, and put this behind us, you know, before I even do it or what? And, you know, they, they started throwing out the, the pancreas word. And I'm like, what the hell is a pancreas? <laughs> you know? I'm like, I didn't even know what a pancreas was, you know? And, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a weird process that you go through for sure. And it's the people who have gone through, it's kind of like that brotherhood or sisterhood that anybody who has gone through this cancer world, it's like a new respect for some people that you find out that are, have been through the same. It's almost like finding out somebody's on the same team as you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I can't, I have another question and I can't fathom, like hearing your story and I know we've talked a lot about it, but not knowing the full details. It's so crazy to me to hear you say what you're saying, um, being so young and not having any symptoms other than having to go to the bathroom nonstop, which could be a variety of things, right? Like that could be maybe you ate something, but if you're, if it's happening over an extended period of time, that's not normal, clearly. Right. But was there any history, I just have this question, of cancer in your family? Like from your mom and your dad or any siblings or anything along my, those lines? My parents were um, are fine. They're, they're very, they're pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, my sister's fine. She's in the clear. My grandfather was a big smoker. Yeah. Uh, the Italian came over for, you know, from Italy. Yeah. He used to smoke all the time. Finally, he had stopped, but he had lung cancer. Um, which, you know, naturally is due straight to, to, to smoking, uh, yeah. smoking. Yeah. 
Uh, if you're still smoking out there, I highly recommend that you don't. Yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. there there is a core there's a high correlation, right? And now we know yeah. that, right? Like, <laughs> so obviously, That's like people who are smoking, um, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, so I mean, I, if you keep going up the chain, I mean, there was some cancer here and there, but um, you know, all the doctors that I had spoke to were just um, they, they couldn't believe what they were seeing with me. They, they were like, but you're so young. Like, we usually pancreatic cancer patients, we don't see until they're 60. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget, I was actually sitting on the couch that I'm sitting on right now, and uh, my doctor, who was down at Memorial Sloan Kettering, he said, so once they had uh, did the surgery and were waiting for the results, he said, you have uh, introductal tubular papillary neoplasm of the pancreas. And I'm like, what does that mean, man? Do I have cancer? I don't have cancer. Yeah. What is the deal? You know, it's a uh, it's a crazy world. But you know, my biggest suggestion to anybody who may be experiencing, you know, the this world of the unknown is you have to do your own research and figure out for yourself so you can become comfortable and kind of take that responsibility of because I, you know, I come in contact with a lot of cancer patients now and. They're all like some people's mentality is, oh, whatever the doctors tell me, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't need to look, I don't need to figure out, right? I'm just going to listen to them. And I don't like that. I need to know what's going on so I can best prepare and make the decisions on my own and not make, not allowing somebody else to make a decision for me. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's a bit frustrating, I think, the way that the medical system is where you as the patient have to become your biggest advocate. And we have this conversation often with families internally in the office, you know, patients who call for referrals, um, which we do on a case by case. It's not something that we we have like an 800 number staff. But, you know, I, I always I guess the biggest advice that I always tell people is if you can have that third person in the room. Um, who can listen and take in everything. And then it's kind of like you have to leave the doctor's office and then have like a family meeting and talk about what was discussed. Um, and then you also have to advocate for, you know, you have to become your biggest advocate for your care, unfortunately, because it's kind of like if you don't ask, they're not going to just give it to you, right? Like if there's certain treatments or certain yep. things that you heard about or read about. Um, and that's where I think the power of, you know, the podcast for us and the power of connecting, you know, survivors together is really critical because you can share what you've gone through and the things that you have learned from your experience, hopefully with people that are going through that experience right now. And that's really critical and powerful. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again, um, not to yeah, sound like a broken sure. record, but sharing this. So just to go back, so you, they do this needle aspiration, they realize you have pancreatic cancer. So then what's next? Yeah, so um, we had went to uh, another GI doctor who did that aspiration. Yeah, uh, They had sent it out to a couple different hospitals. I think it was three or four because they, they were so unsure of was it adenocarcinoma? Was, you know, was it just a, a general cancer or was it just an inflammation of the pancreas? They, they really they couldn't give me a good answer. So we had started going down to Manhattan. You know, we started going to see a couple different surgeons and seeing what the scoop was. I went to an oncologist first, um, and same kind of thing. I, I thought it was really odd that a lot of the doctors were like, well, you could do chemo first and then surgery, or if you want to do surgery first, then you could do chemo. And I'm like, wait, why is it my option? <laughs> you know, isn't it, you, isn't it you guys that are supposed to know, you know, what the deal was? 
And, uh, you know, we had went to three surgeons and I just, I fell in love with, with, uh, with one of them. And I would, something that I had said to him was that he kind of changed my perspective was I said, you know, I don't really understand. I was very against the surgery at first. And I know that that's odd because most people pray to be able to get the Whipple surgery because it's a very small percentage. I think it's only 20% of people who are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer can actually receive the surgery. So as I was looking into it, I'm like, uh, doc, uh, you know, I'm just going to the bathroom like crazy. You know, I just want to fix that. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you're looking at it the wrong way. He's like, you might be going to the bathroom, you know, too often, but he was like, I'm trying to fix and get out the cancer. And I'm like, all right, you got a, you got a good point there, you know? So I was very against the surgery because I wasn't able to come into contact with people who had gotten the surgery already. Mm-hmm. So every surgeon that I went to, I had asked, can I speak to some patients that you have dealt with, that you've done surgery on, that I can speak to, you know, directly? I said, call them up. I don't need to know their name. I just want to hear what they have to say having gotten the surgery. And kind of what you just said, it's like I constantly look for mentors in my life of people who have gone down the path and the road that I want to go down. And then I ask them the question so I don't have to make the same mistakes that they did. And luckily, uh, Dr. Allen, who, who was down at uh, MSK, MSK yeah. he said, yeah, sure. He goes, we'll, we'll get you in contact with somebody. And when, meanwhile, the other guys were kind of like, ah, yeah, no, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure something out. And they didn't, like, give me a hard concrete. So I spoke to a woman who, who had gotten the surgery, I think, two years before I did. And that gave me ground to be able to say, okay, here's somebody who has survived from the surgery, who is doing well. Uh, fortunately for her, she actually didn't have cancer. It was just um, a tumor. It was a benign tumor benign that was thrown in yeah. the pancreas. Yeah which is just as scary because you don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And you're like, what, you know, everybody hears the word cancer and they automatically think, oh, this is a death sentence. And, yep. and through my journey, I've realized that it is a totally different, I do not define cancer as death by any means. People, I, I think the industry and just people and the unknown of cancer has just scared people. But meanwhile, it, that's, that it is not equal death. So anybody listening who, who has thought that, please be reassured that that is not cancer is just a, a, um, a group of bad cells. They're just, they're hanging out and they're not good people and they need to get out of your body as quick as possible. It's, uh, it's been a total mind shift there. So I, I hope, I hope that resonates with some people because at first, you know, that's exactly what I thought just because of the unknown and the fear of not knowing what's happening. So was there a moment, Mateo, that that mind shift change happened? Like, what was the moment that made that mind shift change? Because that's, I mean, I think hindsight, as we say, is always twenty twenty, right? Like, you, sure. you can look back and say, hey, shoulda, coulda, woulda, or this, this, this happened, that happened, and this is why the result is what it is. Sure. But what, it, what was there, what was it along that journey? I mean, you're 22, 24 years old facing, you know, one of the worst cancers. I like to say it is the worst cancer. Statistically, it will become number two. Um, right now, it's number three. Um, so, hey, we're number two, um, not the place we want to be. You know, it's not like we're on the leaderboard for winning the lottery or winning the World Series. Right, but, right. you know, it's uh, this this game and what we're calling cancer. But, you know, everything that you read, and this is something that I tell people often, just stay off the internet because everything is so daunting and so 
you know, negative in terms of the percentages. So it's it's hard where you can have that, uh, you know, that mind shift change, or you just have to stay off social media, stay off the internet, and just like go at it, you know, with day by day or an hour by hour, sometimes, um, you know, sure. battling. So what was that? I guess going back to my question, what was that moment if you if you knew about it, like that that yeah, created two, that change? There's two two things I'm going to bring up here. Uh, one is uh, I was I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, over over the years, as I got older, um, a mentor of mine I had found uh, kind of in the same boat. He, he was raised Catholic, but then he started going to a a, a Christian church, um, which really uh, he, just because I, we we I would get really inquisitive with him and just asking him questions about his faith and his relationship with the Lord, and that inspired me to realize, okay, I need to go deeper into my relationship with the big man upstairs. And that, it wasn't the cancer necessarily that, that brought me to that point. It was way beforehand, just some struggles in life that had, had made me build that relationship. But obviously, you know, getting cancer, I, I, I don't know how people do it without having a relationship with God. And uh, I just, I don't know how they do it, you know? Some people just, I know that's a, a tough topic sometimes, especially in, in this, uh, you know, New York area, but yeah. uh, my relationship with God has grown immensely. And just, you know, there's certain things that are written in the Bible that just give you so much uh, hope and reassurance. And there's there's so many, I don't want to call them secrets, but there's so many things in the Bible that you can learn from that really turn me over the edge to realize, okay, I, I'm here for a purpose. There's a reason God put me on this earth. There's a reason why uh, God is making me go through this to grow. And, you know, one of the questions that you had, you know, drafted up for me uh, in that email just really made me think about that. And it's, but I'm great. I don't want to veer too, too far away from your question, but the no. second part of, of how I got um, more comfortable, so to say, with cancer was actually through my research on the internet. Yeah, you're right. If you go online and you start, you put in pancreatic cancer, you are going to go down a road of deep depression and you are not going to like what you see and you're going to feel bad and, and you got to stay away from that stuff because numbers are numbers. And yeah, you need to, I, I do believe people need to know that so they know what they're up against and to know how serious something is, but you can't live there because you're just going to get scared and, and full of fear. And who knows, you know, Yes, I believe those numbers are true, but it's like, it's craziness. Nobody wants to believe that. I mean, people are excited about maybe maybe 8 9% now, right? Isn't that yeah. the number? You probably know better than I do. Yeah, it's like 8 and, or 9%. I, I think there was like a huge uh, ovation when it when the needle moved from like 7 to 9, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. we're not, again, we're not winning anything, you know? Like, there's yeah. no, there's no uh, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I, I, maybe that sounds somewhat sarcastic and... But, you know, the job's not done, um, you know, and there's still right. a lot of work to be done. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to, to get back to your question um, is I, I stumbled across, you know, you start hearing these things about natural cures to cancer, natural healing. And I'm like, all right, why, why does the whole entire world tell you that there's only one way to cure cancer, which is chemotherapy? Mm-hmm. And I'm like... There's no one way to do anything, right? Like if, if you need to go down to the city and you're up in White Plains, you can go down 87, you can go down 95, you go down the spring, you go down Salt Mill. 
there's, there's many different ways to do anything in life. So I, I started stumbling across different things online and in my bio on, uh, on, uh, Instagram there, I, I, I put surviving pancreatic cancer chemo free because the doctors suggested that I do chemo, but I denied it. I, I, I started learning a lot of stuff online and I know this isn't the traditional way that people do things. And I don't suggest, I, I just suggest people know their options. Correct. I'm not suggesting to do what I've done uh, by any means because I've naturally, I've gone, I've gone the opposite way of what the world has told everybody to do. And, um, you know, I just wanted to know my options. Like I said, I'm the type of person who takes responsibility for things. And I say, okay, this is the problem. Let's figure out a solution and just get to it. You know, we, we don't need to ponder. And, and yeah, there were times where I broke down and I would need some space and I'd need to breathe and I, I'd need to be alone, you know, for a little bit. But then it was, no, let's get back to the program. What are we doing? What do we need to get done? So um, a, a big shout out is, is somebody who's become a mentor of, my, of mine. And not that I know him personally, but a gentleman named Chris Work. Um, he's put together a program. He's a cancer survivor as well. He's stage three colon cancer uh, back, I think, in 2006. And uh, I started, I came across kind of a program of something he just said, just are the basics, you know, and uh, just taking care of, of your health in the sense that everything that you put in your body, everything that you eat is so um, important for your body's health. And most people, what do we do? We, you know, eat the bag of chips and we, you know, eat the Hershey's bar and, you know, Halloween was just the other day. So you, you snack on a couple of Starbursts and stuff like that. That doesn't happen to me anymore because I know the detrimental effects of bad stuff being in your body. And sometimes, unfortunately, it takes something like a cancer diagnosis for you to realize that. And I was relatively healthy back before this all happened, and I didn't eat like a pig or anything. But it's so important, the, the food that you're putting in your body. So because of what I started to learn, I started to get a different view on that cancer word. And instead of looking at it as a death sentence, I just realized it more as there's something wrong in my body and we need to fix it. And cancer is created in your body, so your body should be able to take care of it. Everybody's got cancer cells in their body, you know. It's just, did they get out of hand? And mine cer certainly did with, uh, I think it was, I forget how big my, my tumor was. Six centimeters maybe, six centimeter tumor in my pancreas. You know, it's just, it, your body should be able to handle it, but sometimes it just gets out of control and, and, uh, you got to take care of it. You got to take care of it. Well, you know, our bodies are like machines, right? And I always use this analogy. It's like, okay, so your car, if your car's not performing well, you go to the mechanic, right? And sure. you get it fixed like right away. Brakes don't work. Engine doesn't work properly, or you hear this noise in there, right? Like, or you, you find a way to maybe get a new vehicle, right? Like upgrade or whatever the case may be, because you've run your car ragged or you know you did something to it. But our bodies are the same way, right? Like we we feed ourselves the fuel, and regardless of what that fuel is, and determining what that fuel is really plays, you know, for those listeners at home, what you ingest will determine how you feel today. And also how you may feel in a couple years from now. We talked about smoking yeah. before, right? Like smoking is a great example, right? Everyone who's out there vaping, vaping is the same thing as smoking kids. Like for the kids listening at home who think like vaping's not smoking, it, it you know, 
scientifically it's been proven that vaping is as bad as smoking if not worse so you know you're ingesting stuff into your body um i'm a firm believer in this mateo i mean uh i think maybe just from the fitness background that i've always been physically active and i didn't really realize this until a couple years ago really until you know um similar to your experience not identical but similar you know getting involved in this disease and starting to talk to doctors and scientists i think traditionally you know i think it's hard press and i i love what you said you know from a knowledge standpoint you know and, and learning and diving in and i think you know doctors are very there are some doctors that are amazing they're educated um beyond what we can probably fathom in terms of the knowledge that they hold and that they have and that they share with patients and they're able to, you know, from a traditional standpoint, cure patients. But that's not the case for all doctors. Just because someone is a doctor doesn't mean that they are the end all be all. And I always advocate to patients. And I love that you said this is like, do your homework, go out and read. There are alternatives to traditional medicine that I know do work. Now, does it work for everyone? No, but that's where I think you have to, going back to what something I said originally is like, you have to advocate for yourself, right? Like you have to figure these things out, unfortunately, because you know the, the doctors, whether you're going to MSK, whether you're going to MD Anderson, whether you're going to Mayo or Hopkins or Mass General, we can, the list goes on and on, you know, of these major comprehensive cancer centers are probably not going to suggest alternative medicine or right. something unless you bring it up to them. So for those listeners at home that are sitting there that are battling pancreatic cancer, you really have to advocate and you have to do some of your own homework. Unfortunately, that's the frustrating part, I think, with this disease is that there's just not enough resources out there. They're out there, but I think it's hard. I mean, I think there's more in general for cancer, right? I think the the the, the dieting and the health and, and really changing that lifestyle is really critical. And I've seen it from many people but in a lot of cancers that have completely changed their diets and, mm-hmm. you know, from going in, into meditation and yoga and, you know, stop drinking soda and stop eating fast food. And, you know, there's ways you don't have to be a millionaire to do it. Uh, I think you no, just have to not. kind of be smart about it. And, you know, it's I always say it's easy it's easy to do, but it's easier not to, right? Like being in New York here, there's just, there's like, you know, a McDonald's on every corner. <laughs> yeah. But there's also fruit stands on every corner too, you know, and, and, you know, getting fruit or getting a banana instead of getting, you know, a, a banana and maybe like water versus going to McDonald's and getting, you know, like an apple pie and like and a, a happy Coke. meal. <laughs> yeah. Or a happy meal, you know, like, yeah, it's crazy, but you know, it's easy. It's easy to do, but it's easier not to sometimes just because I think society and the way things are marketed and not to, we're not going to go into that tangent, but uh, I, I love yeah. that what you said. So um, that's awesome stuff, man. And I appreciate, and hopefully for our listeners at home, you know, there are some really excellent resources. I mean, I think in this day and age with social media, I think, and a lot has come out and, you know, now with, and, you know, our job here at Project Purple is to inform and, you know, there's some people that are using CBD oils that have had, you know, really good success um, yeah, with that. Because, I did try that as well. You know, so, yeah. um, you know, there's there's success in it. So I, I love that you share that and knowledge is power, as I've always said. So really, you have to kind of, you know, get knowledgeable on it and, and do some research. Yeah. So for question sure. for you here. 
how and thank you for giving us an excellent background and your whole story. So just to go back a little bit, you had the Whipple then? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, so I started, like I said, I started going to the bathroom a lot. I think it was uh, June, July. And then we started doing these tests. And then it was August, September. When September, I started visiting the surgeons. Um, so about this time last year, uh, we had my engagement party with my fiance and I, and at this point I had dropped, I think within a two month span, 35 pounds. So I was 165 pounds, uh, at, you know, at the beginning of this. And then all of a sudden I was about 135, 130 and I was dropping, you know, way quickly. And that was, you know, due to two parts. One is for those of you who don't know the pancreas. Uh, part of the function is to secrete pancreatic enzymes, which break down the fat in your food so that you can absorb them in your small intestine. Mm -hmm. So um, I started dropping weight like crazy. The other part of that was I was changing my diet because I was learning of all these things. Um, like I said, through, uh, and don't worry, I'm not getting paid or anything, you know, <laughs> to, to shout out Chris Ward and his program. I just know how much I learned from him. I don't even know him personally. We've never met. Uh, never even spoke to him, but I've learned so much through the program that we put together. It's called um, Square One, and uh, he's got a YouTube channel as well. And I would I would just sit there for hours and hours. I went to like hyper drive focus of learning what other people had experienced. I'd, I'd sit there for an hour, two hours, three hours, and just watch videos of people who had either pancreatic cancer and who had cured themselves, or people who had got the Whipple surgery and what the effects were and what they're dealing with now and how they're doing. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent again, but no, it's okay. Um, it, say, what was your question again that you just asked? So you had the Whipple. Yeah, uh, I had the Whipple. And then after the Whipple, you decided to opt out of doing traditional chemotherapy. Yes. So before I got the Whipple, that's when I had started radically changing my diet and my lifestyle on, on, on the things that I was either just consuming or bad habits and things that I was doing. I realized, you know, this is crunch time. So. Again, I, I was very um, against the surgery at first because I just I thought that your body as it is, is is built the way it's supposed to be. There's things in your body that should be there, you yeah. know. And to whip, to, to take out half your pancreas, part of your stomach, uh, part of the small intestine, uh, the gallbladder, the bile ducts, to chop all that out and sew you back together to me was so unnatural, and I was so so against it, and and. Because I, again, sh I, I strove to get, I strive to get that information from other people. Like you said, knowledge is power. That's how I was able to become more palatable with it. And my fiance was like, Mateo, it's okay. Like you could, you know, you can get it. It's okay. There's people who have survived and lived long lives after getting the Whipple surgery. And once I spoke to um, my, my great friend of mine now, her name is Jen. Uh, once I spoke to her, I called the next day and booked and booked the surgery. It was a Thursday and I got the surgery on Monday, which for weeks, probably five, six, seven weeks, I was seeing these surgeons and I didn't go get, I, I didn't book the surgery, although they were all like, Mateo, you should do this now, you know? Yeah. And I was so against it until I finally spoke to somebody that said, hey, I got the surgery, it sucks, you go through it, and then you're done, you're gonna be okay. And that was like, all right, that's it, done deal. That's all I need this year. Yeah. And I booked, I booked it, and we're actually coming up on a year. It was November thirteenth that I got the surgery. I think today's the first, so twelve days yeah. away. I'm, I'm a year 
out from the surgery. So, yeah, I got it in on November 13th down at MSK. Um, couldn't be more grateful for the people that work there. For anybody that works at MSK that might be listening to this, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. They were all incredible people down there, and I'm sure a lot of people experienced that at different hospitals. But my biggest thing was finding out a surgeon who had done thousands and thousands of these surgeries. Um, my surgeon actually just got hired uh, down at Duke University to become yeah. a surgical on- oncologist. He just got shipped down there. Um, That's a big loss for up. the New York City area, but uh, I, I know Dr. Allen. Sure. And, yeah, he was a great surgeon. He's actually done uh, – quite a few uh whipples on a a lot of patients that we've interacted with and uh it's it's tough to see them leave but you know i I think that's just uh you know hopefully i had this conversation yesterday though the one thing i will say mateo um is it's exciting though for me on the the foundation side because now the wings are spreading for pancreatic cancer you know across the country now like him going to duke Mm -hmm. and building out a program there and doing what he's doing you know in another part of the country and leaving his mark here in the city and you know what they've done at msk and you know columbia and nyu and you know everyone's kind of focused uh here in the city on this 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 disease um so it's exciting to see people leave i know steve leach was at msk um and he left two years ago and now he's up at Dartmouth and building out a pancreatic cancer program. So it's exciting to see these guys leave and kind of build their own things. Um, And that's what we need more of, you know, for this disease at least. Yeah, for sure. It's the people who who know have to train and teach the next generation really. Exactly. And, uh, you know, prepare people who so that you can't just have as one person, what could you do? But as an army, as a team, it's a totally different story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, thank you for sharing that and that whole experience. I just have uh, I have a question here related to pancreatic cancer and some of this you've already answered, but um, how has pancreatic cancer changed your life? Good, bad or indifferent? And I know you mentioned a lot of things, but maybe there's maybe two or three things that you can highlight on on how it's changed your life because it has affected your life. you know, so I'd love to share that with our audience. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I say nothing but good things, um, which I know might be uh, a strong or bold statement because uh, when something this life changing comes into your life, uh, everything changes. You know, everything changes. You know, no, nothing has been the same this past year than it was. You know, the prior year, and um, naturally, like I said, it sucks. It, it sucked. I, I went through a really tough time. And it, there's still things, nothing's perfect, you know. Nothing's, you know, great the way it is now. But um, coming out on the other side of it, I have learned so much about, you know, lifestyle and about health and about just general wellness and even spirituality. And like I said, my relationship with the big man upstairs that I wouldn't want to not go through it. And I don't want anybody around me to have to go through it, but I hope that people can learn what I've learned without having to go through that experience, if that makes sense. Uh, so naturally, uh, the the bad part of it was, you know, the surgery, the dealings with, you know, I had to get a, a, the catheter, the biliary catheter put in at one point. Yeah. Um, a couple months after the surgery, uh, my liver was backing up. I went jaundice. I was throwing up, fever all over the place. He rushed me down to MSK because um, scar tissue built up on my uh, my bile duct and yep. was backing 
my liver, um, which certainly, you know, wasn't fun. But just to be able to know what's going on within the body and learning that kind of stuff, now friends of mine will reach out to me, hey, uh, this is going on. Uh, you know, what should I do? And I'm like, well, what you, what's this? And what's that? And what's, you know, what are you feeling? And they're like, I'm like, oh, well, this is connected to that. So why don't you go see this doctor? Or why don't you go, you know, here? Why don't you try drinking this? And, you know, just little things that I can help people out with because I've learned about the body where most people just beat the crap out of their bodies by, you know, not exercising. And they just, you know, like I was saying before, they eat the, the candy and they eat the sugar, they eat the fried foods and all these bad foods you know, for you. But I would say the best thing is all this knowledge that I've learned because of this experience. And yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not fun, but you know, it's, it's worth it. What am I going to do? Just give up? Can't do that. You know? No, you can't. And I, I think, you know, that's a very powerful message there. You know that, and I always say, life's not about being on top. I think we have this falsehood about being on top, right? I think social media plays a large part of that, right? Because, sure. you know, you can you can be on social media and, you know, you could see the, the best of everything, right? But it, it's not about being on top. It's about when you get knocked down, getting back up, you know, and everyone gets sure. knocked down. And, and clearly this was a punch to the to the gut that knocked you down pretty hard, but you made a conscious effort to, to get back up and to, you know, find faith and, and well, you had faith, you just found a deeper meaning in that, I think, and and, mm-hmm. and and to really educate yourself and become really knowledgeable about it, which is really important. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I mentioned this before. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff that people really, um, you know, doctors are smart, as I said, and I'm not trying to disrespect any doctors out there. They are very knowledgeable, but I, I think it's okay to ask questions. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to ask questions or to dig a little bit deeper because this is your engine. And it's the same thing when you go to a mechanic and the mechanic says, well, it's, uh, you know, to replace that belt, it's $2,000. And this is probably a bad analogy, but, you know, hopefully people get the point here is like ask the questions just like you would. I'm sure if your mechanic says it's $2,000 to replace a belt, well, why is that? You know, or, you know, the guy down the street charges 1500, you know, why, why are you 2000 versus 15? Yeah. Um, or some people have a, a totally different solution. Correct. You know, they say, oh, actually, you don't need to replace that belt. You could just change this instead, and it's just 500 bucks. Or exactly. you know, somebody else says, no, this is $3,000. You know, it, it, there's, there's different options in everything, and you need to be able to outweigh those options and make the decision that you feel most comfortable with. Exactly. And everyone's different, right? And, you know, um, but it, I think knowledge is power, you know, and that's really critical with this disease. Is, and there's just scientifically, we don't know enough about it. And I, I don't think any scientist that we would bring on this podcast or any oncologist, whether they're a surgeon or a, a medical oncologist, would disagree with that. We just don't know enough about this disease. So for yeah. me or for your surgeon or your medical oncologist to say, hey, I don't agree with that because I believe, you know, they may have a personal belief and that might not be their thing, but they can't disagree um, that you shouldn't seek alternative treatments or seek other opinions based on what the current regimen is. For sure, for sure. Yeah, one thing that really um, didn't sit well with me, you know, was um, one of my best friends growing up. His name is Dimitri. His his girlfriend uh, is in I don't know her fifth, sixth, seventh year of med school, and she's in her residency now. You know, naturally a very, very smart girl. 
And I asked her one day when they came to visit me when this was all going on, because, you know, she's, you know, starting to learn about med school. She, you know, she had called me when I first found out. She was like, hey, what's going on? You know, how can I help? What's happening? And, you know, obviously you hear the, the pancreas word and everybody freaks out. And, you know, she started crying to me on the phone. And one time I was with her, I said, you know, um, in school, in, in medical school, how many nutrition courses did you take? And she's like, I don't know, maybe the first or second year we took like a basic nutrition course or something like that, but nothing like too crazy. And to me, that blew my mind because I'm like the power behind the food that you could eat that can have effects in your body from the get go. Doctors don't learn. So I'm not saying that and discrediting doctors because they're incredible people, you know. Uh, Dr. Allen, he, he's a man. That's my that's my brother right there, you know. Yeah. But to question that they don't learn anything about nutrition and they just focus all medicine is where I was like, all right, there has something's going on here, you know, not in a malicious way, but there's there's other options. There there has to be. There has to be. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and that's part of the the system, I think, failure. You know, the mm-hmm. system's there to to help people, but there are failures, and that's just anything. You know, we could look at everything in modern history, right? And we could even go back to the ancient times where these systems were created, and, and they didn't help everyone. You know, and hopefully they help the masses. But again, this I think goes back to that very important point where you have to do some some work on your own like you have to do some research and i commend you for saying that you know that you went out and you know, not that you disagreed with the doctor but you actually wanted to learn more and dive into it and again yeah. doctors are very smart they're very reputable a lot of them you know um but there's good doctors bad doctors but just because you have a a great doctor doesn't mean that you can't ask questions or you can't do further research there's nothing wrong with that um, yeah. and we just don't know enough about this disease and that I cannot stress more with people. And, you know, it's fascinating, Mateo, and I appreciate the honesty and the openness with your story, you know, about going to the bathroom and not being symptomatic, a typical symptomatic with, you know, jaundice or rapid weight loss or abdominal pain, um, because that's really critical for people to understand. And that's just case in point. We just don't know this disease well enough. There's no test. There's no early detection. Um, we do know if people are surgical, they have a better chance of survival. Um, we do know that for a fact. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that that's really critical to understand your body and to understand the facts of what we have right now. So thank you for sure. sharing that. What's your definition of pancreatic cancer? How do you define it? How do I define it? Ah, wow. That's a, that's a loaded question right there. <laughs> Here come the tough ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do I define pancreatic cancer? Man, you know, that's a tough one. I, I was looking at that question and, and thinking about it. And, you know, for me personally, I, I have to define it as change. Uh, and what I mean by that is... Uh, because of the way my life has changed so much and because of the benefits that I've seen from it is that I had to look back and see, okay, something that I was doing, and I'm not saying I necessarily caused my cancer, but back to the responsibility thing, something that I did or didn't do caused this cancer to happen. 
right? I don't think that, you know, cancer is like a curse or something like that. You know, it's something I did or didn't do caused this to happen. So what can I do moving forward that would make it so that this doesn't happen again? And, you know, we all know that the immune system in the body is an incredible, incredible mechanism. Uh, and something was going on with my immune system that caused it to not be able to get rid of the first two or three cancer cells that were hanging out in my pancreas. Somebody, you know, some, you know, some part of my immune system should have been able to strike that at the core and say, boom, we got to get these cells out. But something happened where, in my opinion, I, I believe it had to do with me being too hard on myself because you, you start, when you start looking into the world of how emotions create stress in the body, it's not good. And I was very, very hard on myself, you know, growing up and, you know, striving to be successful and striving to get things done, which, yes, has brought me to, to get a lot of good, credible things done in my life. But there's a way where it's so negative that who knows? I, I might be talking out of my butt right now and this has nothing to do with cancer whatsoever. But it's just this feeling that I've had that I was always way too hard on myself that I learned how not to be through cancer. So to answer your question directly, I would say pancreatic cancer is equal to change. Something has been going on in your life that has not been healthy for your body. And you need to change that, whether it's the bad eating habits, whether it's uh, a stress, a person in your life that is causing you stress, whether it's, you know, not having a relationship with a higher being and realizing that you have a purpose. There's something that's going on in your life that is create that could be creating that within your body, that your body is saying, hey, I can't take care of this on my own, and it gets out of hand, and, and it, you know, this is something that happens over years. It's not like pancreatic cancer just starts one day and tomorrow you have this, this you know, tumor in your stomach. That's not, that's not how it works. It's over years and years and years that these things grow and, you know, you, you have to take that responsibility to say something went wrong. What can I do to fix it? That's powerful that was, stuff, man. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you said something earlier and you just reiterated it a bit about we all have cancer cells in our body. And I think that's something that people, you know, I, I think that shock and awe. And that's, I think, part of the knowledge. Like, you know, KRAS, there's a KRAS mutation in pancreatic cancer. Um, for 75% of the cases of, of pancreatic cancer. And mm -hmm. I was talking to a researcher last year about this on a project that we funded. KRAS is present in the entire population. Now, what makes it mutate into the pancreatic cancer is the bigger question, right? We don't understand that, and that's what we're trying to figure out. But it's mm -hmm. present in our body, right? So there's some sort of catalyst, there's some sort of event that makes that happen. And what is that, right? And so that's the that's the million dollar question. So, to your point, you know, in terms of cancer in our body and, and understanding, and you know, the body is a, an amazing tool in itself. With you know, if you can turn on the body's own immune system to attack, you know, cancer similar to it, how it attacks colds and cuts on you know your body or in your body and stuff like that. That's really, you know, I think Pandora's box and all of this cancer business is the whole immunotherapy and turning, having the body, you know, fight itself versus, you know, pumping the body with chemicals that are designed to kill everything in your body, yeah. not just the cancer, but even the good cells, you know, and then the body regenerates its good cells to, you know, to stay alive. 
but that's really powerful stuff, you know, and, and I think, again, coming back to the knowledge and understanding of, of, of this whole disease and, and what's going on, what you're ingesting is, is so powerful, man. So I appreciate that. Um, last question. What advice would you give to someone who is in your shoes where, where, where you were before you had your surgery when you realize like, hey, you've got pancreatic cancer and here are your options and maybe there's someone listening who is where you were a year and a half ago? Sure, sure. Uh, my, my first and biggest suggestion is, and I know, again, this is bold, I hope you don't mind, no. is find, find a Bible teaching church and start to learn about, I don't want to just say God, but building a relationship with the Lord, because that has been my, my guiding light this entire, entire time. And we all have our own personal journeys, and I know not everybody is Christian, and not everybody knows or has learned, or, or people have had bad experiences with different churches or different places, but that's my biggest, biggest suggestion. Because this whole time, and you, I hope that people could learn this through the confidence that kind of goes through in my voice, is I have felt ridiculously, insanely confident in every decision that I've made this entire time. And I, I felt like I've been guided and, and led. And it, it's the, strange, the strangest thing, because beforehand I never really had that feeling or that, that um, sense where now it's just, no, this is what I do, this is who I am, this is how I am. If you want to learn what I do, ask. If you don't care, don't worry about it, you know? And I've never felt that sense of, of um, I guess you could say, confidence that what I'm doing is the right thing for me. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, what Mateo is doing and, and what the way I've, I've lived my life this past year is, isn't the right thing, you know, for other people. But I, I hope and pray that you can have that confidence that I have in what I've been able to do and what I've learned. That would be the first piece of advice. The second thing is a huge thing with cancer, there's a lot of research on this now, is don't eat sugar. Confectionery, table sugar, whatever you want to call it, white sugar, the, the candy, the cupcakes, the cakes, the this, the that, it is horrendous, horrendous for cancer. It feeds cancer cells. It mm -hmm. makes them grow even faster and quicker as one of the worst things that you could do. And, you know, incorporate more, you know, things that you could do into your diet that come from the earth. So vegetables, fruits, nuts, uh, you know, grains. Don't feed your body the crap that this American society has, you know, dealt with. We, we just, we fill our body. Think about it. You, you have a bacon, egg, and cheese in the morning. Then you have, you know, a, a huge lunch where you get a sandwich from the deli with nothing but cold cuts. And, you know, then at lunch you have your steak dinner with, you know, we just pile in all this stuff into our bodies that are just overloading it. It's not necessarily that one thing that you eat is going to kill you, but it's that you overload and stuff your body with so much stuff that it can't process quick enough. And that's how we have issues in the body. So my first thing, like I said, is, is build a relationship with the God or a higher power, whatever you want to call them. I'd highly suggest the Bible teaching church. And the second thing is start to learn about your diet and how it directly impacts your cancer and your body. Mateo, that is like so on point. And uh, there's no, like I said in the beginning, man, this is, uh, 
you know, I, I think we're, we're not in a place to judge. And I will tell you this, for doing this for eight years, I think every survivor that I've met has a strong belief in whether, regardless of religion and regardless of faith, in a higher being, God, Allah, um, you know, I, I mean, the, the religions run across the board, regardless of whether it's Roman Catholic, Jewish, Islam, um, you know, Greek Orthodox, Christian. And I think that is so important. Um, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic, and I know when my dad was going through our, our, you know, pancreatic cancer journey, as I call it, you know, my mom was a firm believer in the Roman Catholic faith, and that really saved her sanity and, and saved us as a family. And uh, that is really powerful, you know, and, and doesn't mean you have to go to church every Sunday, I think, but just have that understanding and, and faith and, and have a deeper understanding of why we're all here, right? Like, and, and that's really powerful stuff. And sometimes you have to go through, I think, something like this, a, a life altering thing to maybe realize that deeper meaning in life and what we're all here. It's not about you know, the money and the job and everything else. Cause in a heartbeat, as you know, things change very quickly. So yeah. uh, I appreciate that. And, you know, as we said, I, I, you know, diet is so important, man. And, and I think, you know, hopefully, I mean, there's a big push and I'm a firm believer in that and what you ingest will determine how you feel and potentially, you know, in the future and, and especially today, um, and how that affects your body. So, and, and knowledge is power, man. So I think people have to do a better job in understanding like what's in their food and not just trusting, you know, like, yeah. Hey, like, Oh, the commercial says it's real chicken or, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I love, I love this. I, I, you know, we, we've done some stuff with some, um, some companies and I was having a conversation with someone about, you know, this grass fed beef argument, you know, there's not enough grass in the entire world to have grass fed beef in every single supermarket and at Walmart <laughs> and at like Trader Joe's or Aldi, sure. you know, I saw Aldi was selling grass fed beef for like, you know, three ninety nine a pound. And there's no way, like I was talking to a farmer out in Kansas and he was like, man, he's like that FDA ruling or the FDA terminology grass fed means like they're just on grass like for 30 days and then that's it you know and that that's that's the defining meaning and don't quote me on that fda i don't want to get sure, sued sure. but you know <laughs> it's like the cage-free eggs too you know like i think that, it just comes back to like i think you have to do your homework and you have to like don't just trust what's written there because um you know with food because it's important to understand like where is this coming from and what does cage-free or what does grass-fed really mean is it really beneficial for you and your body and for what you're ingesting um so that's really powerful stuff well mateo i appreciate the time that you gave us this morning on the project purple podcast this has been awesome and i took a lot of notes here man and i am just going to say this uh this has been filled with inspiration and purpose in your faith in god and the knowledge that you've provided has been immense to anyone who has either gone through pancreatic cancer and people that are going through it. So from all of us at Project Purple, we really appreciate you being a guest. And I know this took a while, but you know, schedules are schedules and uh, we really appreciate taking time. The last thing is for our listeners at home, and I know you mentioned it, um, if someone wants to reach out and maybe talk to you a little bit more about your journey or maybe questions they have on diet or faith, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, that was that was big for me too. I want, like I said, I wanted to get in touch with people who 
um, you know, had experienced what I may need to experience. So the absolute best way is just reach out to me on Instagram. It's at Mateo Passaro, M-A-T-T-E-O-P-A-S-S-E-R-O. Just send me a direct message, put a comment on one of the pictures or something like that, because I am so ready, willing, and able to help anyone with any questions that they have. Because, you know, I was always in this state, not always, but, you know, I was freaking out, you know, when you get these, 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 these words, and these things that you don't know about, you just, you need to educate yourself. And, and I'm more than happy to help anybody who's experiencing this or even family members, um, or even on, if you want to reach out to me on Facebook, if you have Facebook, whatever the case is, you know, and also just whatever support system you have, like my fiance has been absolutely incredible through this entire process. We have grown stronger through this process. It's incredible what she's been able to help me with. Um, you know, obviously my parents, my family, uh, you know, just that support system is so strong. So even if I could be that for you, I'm more than happy and ready to do that. So definitely reach out and don't feel uh, that you can't do that. Well, thank you, Mateo. And uh, you've been an awesome guest on the Project Purple podcast. I know you've got a, a busy weekend. You've got some weddings going on. We're here in New yeah, York. For, uh, and congratulations. When are you getting married? Last question. We're, Ju- we're June 29th, so we got a little bit of time. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know we'll be talking uh, before then. And uh, congratulations. And again, thank you for being on the Project Purple podcast. And that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.